1: everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
0: And I'm Dan. And on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about using procedural content generators in your fantasy gaming. How much time can this save you as a DM? And what are your favorite go-to products and tools for content Mm -hmm. generators? That and more today on... (laughs) wandering bms
1: so so dan this comes up right out of our post show chat right which we've talked about for a bit uh yes. that patrons of the show on patreon.com uh have access to our discord channel and after yeah. the show on sundays you and i get on there and we do a little video chat with whoever's around from about uh 2 to 3 p.m on a sunday afternoon so uh thank you to our patrons for inspiring this discussion uh we got a lot of fruitful stuff talked about last week and enough for us to say yeah we, let's just do an episode on this and um, and for anyone who watching now who's maybe thinking that sounds like super fun, I want to get in on that. Uh, maybe come check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash/wanderingdm's.
0: Yeah, what a great conversation we had last Sunday. That was like just incredibly valuable, and then it continued on our Discord server and chatting mm-hmm. all kinds of suggestions that, that I personally didn't know about yet. Uh, and so for at least a couple of days this week, I was digging into stuff like, oh my god, that's amazing! This is amazing. Why didn't I know about this? So just. Wonderful, wonderful suggestions from patrons, and um, uh, awesome. I'm looking forward to more of that today. Actually.
1: Yeah, great. So, what we're talking about here is any kind of tool, software, books, etc., mm-hmm. something that gives you some random or procedural way of building content for your D and D game, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. And of course, as math and computing guys, and you know, again, Paul and I met in the software industry. We are super big on these kinds of uh, tools. And when we get to the software stuff, I'll also say, you know, probably for many of us starting programming, it's also how we got into programming in the first place, because the mm. first program I ever worked on was a little d and character generator many, many, many years ago. And that's probably also the last program <laughs> <laughs> that I was working on a couple of days ago. So the, so the, so the work continues. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to get into it. And, and sometimes there's also really interesting uh, mathematical ideas as well. Uh, shout out, of course, we're doing this episode the day before Tau Day 2021. So I got my uh, <laughs> my Tau Day t-shirt on here and uh, just uh, some software that I need to fix now that I showed that. <laughs> 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 so uh, so all kinds of interesting stuff here about content generators. Awesome. Um, where should we start, Paul?
1: Well, why don't we start with what's in the actual source books for uh, old school D&D, right? If you're running... OD&D, or basic D&D, or first edition, or whatever? What, what, what do you get out of, the, out of the box?
0: You know, it's a really interesting question because, arguably, the, the whole construct of original D&D is itself a content generator for worlds and dungeons. Hmm. And a lot of what's in Volume 3, which is the DM's book, really, is content generators for contents and random encounters, which are really stocking tables, you know really not, yep. not just random encounters, also results what's in the different rooms and treasures and wilderness encounters and random castles and a whole bunch of stuff like that and so um if you look at uh original dnd i guess like volume three page seven there you go you've <laughs> got at the, that top paragraph that's exactly what i'm looking over here too. the top paragraph of what is it uh uh, for every, you know, so you're supposed to start off and at least for a couple of pole rooms set up like the major encounters and the major treasures. Maybe just like a couple per level. But after that here it says for the rest of it, to save the DM time, uh, for every room, roll a die. If you get a one or a two, there's a monster there. Um, if there's a monster, then go to the random tables and see what monster it is. Um, if there is a monster, then roll another die to see if there's a treasure. Three and six is a treasure. If it's empty, then it's one in six for a treasure. And then you have that table there for the random treasures. Yep. And on and on. Yep. So it doesn't I, I, give you a map, right? No, but it, it does give, give, you a map. give you
1: contents. Right. I think, it. you know, I'm looking here at page six, volume three. It says, uh, just because I think it's easy to gloss over this part of it, right? Before you get yes, into that algorithm of how to do it, it says, yes. Um, uh, uh, I lost my spot. There it is. Um, it's a good idea to thoroughly place several of the most important treasures, with or without monstrous guardians, and then switch to a random determination for the balance of the level.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like that's one, of, possibly one of the most important lines in the entire book. Such that I have it yeah. underlined and like a yeah. bunch of stars <laughs> around it, and I'm really glad, Paul, that you pointed that out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of folks miss that, and that's that's something you and I, when we were toying with um, generating a, a dungeon together that's that's where we started right we said like let's yes. let's come up with a theme and then let's put a couple things that we just think are awesome that you know rooms in the map that jump out at us is important and we'll put those important stuff that like the adventure is just not complete without this and then use random generation to fill in the rest right right and um,
0: you know and even though you're using random content it doesn't mean that you're you know handcuffed to that obviously it can be ideas and when yeah. i use that I have some ideas, and I move stuff around. And when you and I were doing something like that the other day, I was like, "I'm going to toss out three options here: one, two, three. Here's the first three things that are happening. Which of these three things make us the happiest right now?" There you go. Um, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So a that's... lot of a lot of content there.
1: Um, if you're if you're a BX uh, guy like I am, uh, uh, you want to flip open to B fifty two, which is basically uh, section E here. Stock the dungeon. Uh, same, same rules, same rules as what was in OED, uh, or OD and D. But, um, you know, instead of like a big block of paragraph, it's kind of split out a little, I think a little easier to read. Um, you know, but it's the same basic algorithm, right? Same basic roll in a D6 to determine what's in there. Is it a monster? Is it a treasure? Something special? Empty. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, it's interesting, you know, so our, our our great viewer, Ash, is pointing out, I mean, there's the treasure types table over in Volume 2 of original D&D, and then there's the the dungeon treasure table that's here in Volume 3. And there's, you know, there tends to be a little bit of d- d- debate about which one you should use at which time, and like a lot of things in, in the original D&D, it's a little ambiguous. Hmm. You see the same thing in BX over there, you've got a treasure types table, and then I think they label that unguarded treasure for the other version, I think is what they do there. Yep. Um, so as usual, you know, these are things to kind of generate ideas more than really more than really handcuff you. Now, me, the thing that I'm really interested in original D is the wilderness um, hmm. system. Yep. And so there's maybe even a more robust system whereby by default, in original DD, again volume three, if you're gonna be running wilderness adventures. You're supposed to get the outdoor survival game, that's gonna be your map, and really you've got a system there for procedurally generating the contents of a whole world. And that ties into every monster in the monster table has a percent in lair. So as you wander around the hex map, you're gonna roll for encounters, and then sometimes there'll be a lair with treasure, and sometimes it won't. Uh, plus random castles, and you basically the whole system basically works to procedurally generate an entire world without setting anything up at all in the first place. Yeah, which is isn't an interesting that, thing that I've had to wrap around my my head. After
1: isn't a while. it interesting that the dungeon generation guidelines tell you to place the important stuff first, whereas the wilderness yeah is, doesn't have that step, which I think is very interesting. I agree. I, I almost think I maybe agree. it might be interesting to reintroduce introduce that to the, your wilderness generation. Of what about a step where we put the important stuff first?
0: That's a great point. I think that's a great point. I mean, if you go to the outdoor survival map, it already has, you know, what you're gonna interpret as cities and Mm -hmm. castles and stuff like that. So maybe that that counts, or maybe at that point, the authors just wanted to come in totally, I want no prep work. I wanna come (laughs) into this and I wanna do absolutely zero, no prep work whatsoever and just play entirely on the fly. And that's an interesting, no safety net way to go. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course,
0: John in the chat is pointing out there's a second system, right? So the default is use outdoor survival and just randomize everything. And there's a second system. It says now, if you're interested, you could make your own map. You could make yep. your own wilderness map, and you could like key it if you wanted to. Uh, but that actually comes second, interestingly enough. So it's, it's so sometimes I think about like it's an interesting evolution that now we expect careful. Handcrafted, detailed, you know, DM creations for for the world, and initially, I don't know, maybe people didn't have time, hmm. and it actually started off as random content generators mostly. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Great, great stuff.
1: Um, let me let me ask you this, Dan, because this this came up when you and I were doing some some content generation the other day. Um, uh, because, again, I'm, I'm a little more familiar with the BX tables than I am with the OD and D tables. Right. Um, your first roll is a D6 roll and really have four options of what's going to be in any given room. A monster,
0: right,
1: a trap, empty, or special. What right. is special? right? And we had a little discussion about what, what does special mean? Uh, now in the bX tables which I have right in front of me it gives some examples uh, here's some things that could be you know for specials a, a moaning room or corridor illusionary stairs a talking statue right that kind of thing uh, something uh, I would, so that's in my head special always meant it's neither a treasure nor a monster it's something else unusual and unexplainable
0: Right. Yeah. Obvi- now, obviously, that's explicitly what Moldvay says in the BX rules, no doubt about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To my thinking, it's, that's, a tra- that's a transformation of what you read in original D&D volume three of it's a good idea to thoughtfully place several of the most important treasures is um, I don't think the word special technically gets used there. But to my mind, that's the special stuff, the special well, treasures. I think
1: here's, here's the text, maybe, that's, that's getting you here. In right. the very beginning of Stock the Dungeon in BX, it says... Right. Um, special monsters should be first placed in the appropriate rooms along with special treasures. The remaining rooms can be stocked as the DM wishes. If there's no preference as to how certain rooms are stocked, mm-hmm. the following system can be used. Roll 1d6 for contents, then roll on the second table. Um... So, so it's a, a kind of overloading the word "special" there a little bit, right? Special monsters yes. and special treasures yes, can yes. be placed first. I, I think it, that means something different in my read to BX. I think that's basically the same text as what we saw in OD and D. Place the important stuff first that you don't need any tables for whatsoever, then fall back to the tables, and the tables have an entry of some weird freaking thing that's neither monster nor treasure. Um, now, does OD&D give us something different there? It says uh, roll for every room. A roll of one or two indicates there's a monster there. Um, roll again indicates whether or not there's treasure there. So this whole concept of a, a third choice, of or a fourth choice of special is just not here. And the empty, I suppose, is just you didn't roll, right? Or you did roll. A one or two indicates a monster, roll again, a one or three indicates treasure, and if both of those fail, then I guess empty.
0: Right. Um, I think that, um, like, what you also don't see there is you don't see traps, right? So to begin with, just monster, is there a monster, is there a treasure, that's it. That's interesting. Um, and hmm. it, later on, you start to get additions of insertions of you also ought to have uh, you know, traps and tricks in places. And so, for example, in the first supplement, Greyhawk, at the back, there's, there starts to become a much longer list of what are called tricks and traps are considered one, one particular set of content. Um, and so I think that like the list of things that you mentioned, Moldvay under special, would a lot of us would count as tricks. And at least for Gygax initially, those were just like one single, one single set of things, tricks and traps together. Mm-hmm. um and so i think that uh, i think that the the added fourth category of special for the tricks was a mold interpretation which can make yeah. sense
1: yeah it's certainly the most challenging result i've found in actual practice exactly. when you're rolling exactly. and you're just looking at uh some graph paper and with boxes on it and you come up with special and you're like oh no i gotta be creative Ay, what am i supposed to do <laughs> i agree um, for
0: using Moldvay, that was always kind of the yeah. irritation yeah. That I'm going to the tables. I'm doing your your content generation because I've personally tapped out yep. of the creative stuff, yep. and then there's this item that that forces me to come up with new novel stuff. Great. And so again, when I you know later mm-hmm. in my life, much later, found OD and D and saw this, well, do the special stuff first, and everything else is is really on rails. It was a great relief to yep. me.
1: Yeah.
0: So at least that's the interpretation I'm sticking with because it's worked for me. and if
1: if something else works for you go do that (laughs) well let's let's dig into some secondary things that i think are helpful um the first thing that i jump to actually to to add on to this actually maybe let me step back for a second let's begin by focusing on dungeons can we agree on that we'll start with just dungeons and rooms and whatnot we can expand out to to wilderness and world building and etc beyond that
0: they seem fairly important based on the name of the game so that seems reasonable but that's that's
1: that's the way right that's and that's the way kind of bx presents it right in your basic set you're in the dungeon. Only by expert are you getting out into the wilderness. Um, anyway, okay, so let's assume you're stocking a dungeon. Uh, for me, personally, uh, I tend not to draw my own maps, right? I, I usually uh, either just go onto the internet and find a map because there's so many good artists making maps right now. It's just super easy to find a map that you can just grab and stock. Um, or possibly I might use geomorphs. And there's another tool, uh, a sort of semi-random content generation of geomorphs. Um, to, to which end, I actually uh, even wrote some software myself for laying out geomorphs uh, graphically and, and, and producing a final image of a map. Um, so that's what I do. I don't know. What about you, Dan? Are you drawing your maps?
0: I so that, that right. That, it's an interesting thing that original D and D gives you content fillers, but doesn't give you a, a way to generate a map if you're not creative. Uh, it's interesting because I honestly, you know, so obviously we all know Dyson logos. Who has basically revolutionized old school mapping, and he's most of us look to him as the um, uh, the, the the chief you know map leader nowadays. I tend to not want to use a map that other people are already using, hmm. so maybe I'm shy about that. So I tend to do want to have a map that nobody else has ever seen, um, and so I do tend to shy away from Dyson's really great. Content, maybe I, now that's map he a has.
1: For me. A, he has a section of maps that are free for um, uh, commercial use, you know, those are produced through his Patreon. Um, have they been used for other things? Yeah, probably. I just feel like there's so much out there. The content, the qual or the uh, quantity is so high that your chances of overlap in any significant way are minimal. Like, certainly, I'm not worried about my players coming in and being like, oh, I know this map, I played it. You know with this other dm on this other day i'm like i i've yet to see that happen realistically
0: well let me yeah. let me one up you on that because yeah. i saw i saw a post by uh dyson where he was playing with another dm and they went all through their dungeon and he was mapping and they were halfway through the dungeon before it dawned on him that
1: it was his own creation <laughs> was his own creation
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, so he, he can't even recognize even he can. when he's playing in one of his own things so you're certainly, that's a, it's a persuasive argument. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Now that said, uh, so Dyson has also produced a set of geomorphs, which you can find on his website. Uh, this here is my tool that I was talking about. So I wrote a little bit of software that just allows you to load up geomorph images and slap them together and impose a grid and, and export it. Uh, you can find this on my website, PaulsGameBlog.com. Uh, this this software may maybe getting a little long in the tooth at this point, so hopefully it will run on your machine. But uh, I know certainly with very recent versions of OS X, it's had some problems. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I've, I've certainly sometimes used that. Even then, I'm still going in and hand-tuning it probably. I export the image, and then I open it up in in GIMP or Photoshop or whatever and touch it up, you know, remove some of the weird passages that go nowhere put some numbers on it, that kind of stuff. Um, So it's not 100%, but uh, I do that. I I may do that with if I just download a a map in whole from Dyson or whoever, because Dyson produces great stuff, but there's a lot of other map makers out there also producing great stuff. So I don't want to just totally focus on him. Um, Totally. But then usually I need to do something, put the numbers on or whatever, fix up the grid, something. So it's not uncommon. Um, Anyway... That's, so that's usually my starting point. Okay, I have a map, bunch of rooms, numbers on the rooms. Now what? Now what? <laughs> that's a great tool, by Paul, I gotta say. You should, people
0: should check that out because it's a, it's a really handy tool. As a matter of fact. Um, uh, then, now, b- before, we ta- b- yeah. before we before we move on from that, I'll say you know so it's interesting that you know originally D didn't have any like specific rules for making a dungeon, and that was like among the first things they had to fix. So if you look at uh, the very first issue of what became Dragon Magazine. So actually, Tactical Studies rules number one
1: mm-hmm.
0: among the things, and I have an image there, it's like
1: number zero or something like that, or one, I guess. Um, it's got some tables there with, um... You always tell me the number, Dan, and I can't actually see the file names, so you have to right, be Right, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry about that.
0: Um, it's it, uh... Like? It has a little, it's mostly tables and a little picture on the bottom right.
1: Cool. Uh, so maybe this one. There we go.
0: Exactly. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. So the very first issue of Tactical Studies Rules Magazine had, uh, by Gygax, had a system for generating randomly a dungeon. And, uh, you know, it, it got translated into the, uh, the AD&D DMs guide later on. Our friend Ash was pointing out that there is a special, so Gygax did put in one special, it's not on this page right now, but there is a one in 20 chance of a special that turns into some kind of tricky thing. Uh, So good catch on that, Ash. And the interesting thing is this generation tool came under the title of solo dungeon play for D&D. Interesting. Um, so right and it said now you we already can play solo wilderness games with the outdoor survival map. That's all provided for you in O D D, but what we don't have is solo dungeons. So here's this. And as as Paul and I know very well, this is still, you know, particularly in the pandemic year, a, a really hot desire. And Paul made a wonderful video um about how to play solo D and D today, and it is our current Significantly, t- most viewed <laughs> video on the Wandering <laughs> DMs channel, actually. Yeah, yeah. So this has been a real hot desire from day one, right up to now, in our experience.
1: We also did a series of videos where you and I together played some of those solo modules. Um, those you can find okay. those uh, playlists, those on our on our YouTube channel as well. um Yeah, but that's that's not what we're focusing on here, right? We, we could talk about solo play. Again, at some point, if you want, but no, totally. but the gist of totally. uh, what we're trying to get at here is how to how to build content and build it quickly. Um, in fact, and maybe now is a good time to talk about uh, uh, upcoming uh, on Wandering DMs. Uh, you know, in the future, uh, we will be doing an episode in our normal slot here, where instead of us uh, just gabbing along, and instead of us having a special guest, Dan and I are going to build a dungeon together. Live. Okay. Live, live. No <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> we tried it once. We think we can fit it in the hour. <laughs> so we're gonna. So look for that coming up soon. I don't. I don't. We don't have a date for that yet, do we, Dan? We don't. We okay, probably great. at least late July or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So keep keep an eye on here, and, and we will uh, we will be rolling out more information about that, and and using some of the tools that we're talking about here. So literally rolling out more information. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the next tool I'd like to talk about, like the first thing I reach for when I've got a map, I've got tables of monsters and treasures and stuff, but I still feel like this is going to give me a dungeon that kind of lacks coherence, is my problem with that. Like oftentimes you just, you know, I want to do that first step of like the couple important encounters, but to do that, I have to have some idea of what the heck this place is. What is this dungeon? What is its purpose? Who's the main villain that lives there? You know, what's, why, do the, why do the players care? Right, is what I'm looking for. Um, so, for that, uh, I jump to oh, trying to get it up here. There we go. Matt Finch's Tome of Adventure Design. I actually have this, I have a much older copy of this, which was broken into volumes called the Adventure Design Desk Book. Um, I have volumes one and two. I think there were actually four volumes of this, which then eventually got uh, condensed into this single book of the Tome of Adventure Design. Um, but this is great stuff. I, You know, uh, funny story, the reason I have this is because I won the first volume in uh, the One Page Dungeon Contest 2010. Oh, wow. I I got uh, this. That was my prize. I made uh, a... I can't even remember. I got uh, some category something or other mention for one of my dungeons, and so I got this as a prize. Best prize ever. Um, Basically, these books are just chock full of tables. Really interesting tables to help kind of... um, just give you that initial uh catalyst of an idea for your dungeon or for your monster or whatnot um the 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 first volume will give you tables for things like the name of a location um and for folks who aren't aware the my own uh adventure that i have up on dm's guild uh ari salvatore presents the uh oh god i can't remember the name of my own dungeon dan what's it called uh-huh. The, uh <laughs> the vile crypt oh of the reawakened sisterhood Whew. uh that was randomly generated with these tables vile crypt of the sisterhood. and i was like what that sounds super cool why are they reawakened what's what kind of sisterhood are they what what's so vile about them right like those all those words just kind of got randomly chucked in place so that's where that came from um i think it'll also give you stuff like uh what is the villain's plan what, right there's a whole bunch of tables about like what's your what's your main villain up to, <laughs> and it, it gives very broad strokes, and then you have to fill in the details. Um, the second volume is just monsters for like you want a super cool custom monster, not just something out of the book. It'll you know gives you top level tables where you're looking at things like beasts or constructs or humanoids or extra planar creatures, and you can drill down into table after table, and it adds extra weird, unusual qualities to your to your. So your main villain. I use it for my main. I suppose you could use this for any kind of monster design, but I always use that for my main villain because I feel like I want my main villain to be a little extra, a little something more than just, uh, you know, bog standard monster out of the out of the book.
0: Great, great. And of course, that was so. This, to me, this was new, and this is what we used to get started with uh, when we when we tested making a dungeon together in an hour about a week ago. Uh, one of our patrons on Discord mentioned that, and I, unfortunately, I can't remember who it was. But they said, if you looked at uh, Matt Finch's books, and i get got to say, well, actually, that was exactly what we were just using last night on our trial run of Dungeon yeah. Creation. We, we love Matt Finch's stuff. Of course, we had him on the show about a month ago, and um, one of the one of the one of the top old school designers working today. And I, I, it, it, I you know, I tried to make the interview hard on him. <laughs> Because he's he's such a t- he's such a thoughtful top talent. I intentionally yeah, kind of lessons from my father. Uh, tried to make it tough <laughs> on him, knowing that he could keep up with it. Yeah. Uh, so we we love Matt Finch's stuff very very much.
1: Um, Ash, thank you for reminding me that indeed I think I have a series of blog posts on my blog somewhere where I actually go through the entire process of how I built the vile crypt of the Rue and Sisterhood, uh, and I talk about all the little pieces along the way. Um, yeah, but uh, and and I think that process is pretty much what Dan and I will be doing live on stream. Yes. yes. Except I thought you know my go ahead Paul. Uh, For for the purposes of the stream I think we're specifically using pre-made maps of a smaller constraint so it's not like you know so it's a reasonable number of rooms for us to do in an hour. Yeah exactly. (laughs) exactly.
0: And personally I thought it was very useful for the the, the overall you know theme of it Um, particularly if you have a if you're trying to make a large sandbox campaign and I want a bunch of small adventuring areas, I thought it was very helpful to have to, to roll up an initial theme and an initial title, because once that happened, I felt like my imagination was just unleashed at that point. Yeah. And now, oh, I hadn't thought about that before, but I, mean, I could fill it in this way, this way, this way.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the important thing about tables, right? The, the Like, I don't want to just dogmatically follow tables to the T and have them fill in every single detail. And this is my problem with some of the software that's out there, right? Some of the software has taken all the tables and boiled them into, like, one click. Just click this button, and boom, here's an entire dungeon for you. And my problem with that is that it... It doesn't allow for that moment of like, here's some vague ideas, and that clicks in my head, and now my creativity's unleashed, and now I'm just gonna go and write stuff because now I have ideas, and I don't need randomness anymore. Like, I got the initial burst of randomness for my catalyst, and now I'm, now I'm off to the races.
0: I will just, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw. We're not exactly talking about this. I'm gonna throw in there is a, uh, a software product. Unfortunately, it's Windows only, called the Zorbus Dungeon Generator. And it's it's from a, it's really the the one piece out of a roguelike game called Zorbis that they just extracted, made available to make dungeon maps. And the interesting thing to me is it's the only software dungeon maker that does what you just said, Paul. It does it bit by bit, so mm. it will show it will show you it will show you how it's adding the next room and the next corridor and the next room and where it found the next room. Interesting. Um, and I really kind of fell down a pit one day. You know, going through the Zorbis dungeon generator to see how it adds it up. Hmm. Um, so it's not content; it is a dungeon map, but I, it's, it started to get me thinking about how I could lay out the next couple rooms. Cool, cool. Yep. What other things have you used Paul for content production um, for for dungeons?
1: Uh, for dungeons specifically, well, let's see. Um, the next thing I could talk about is if we go up a level higher of, of abstraction, and we're not talking about room by room, but you want to say create a mega dungeon with many factions going on and whatnot. Uh, the next thing I would pull out is how to host a dungeon uh, by Ta- uh, Tony Dowler, um, and uh, this is a—it's so funny. It, it even describes itself as like part toy, part toolkit which I think is just a clever... Like, is it a game? Yeah. It, it says it's a solo game part? Yeah. Anyway, the interesting thing about it is uh, it's it's a little game you play with uh, drawing on paper and moving tokens around and whatnot. And it kind of procedurally uh, generates um, a timeline for the existence of a very large mega dungeon. It doesn't get into the nitty-gritty of this room here and this room there and this room there, but it does, like, talk about levels. So if you imagine kind of your classic side view map where you see the levels laid out and you don't necessarily see the individual rooms. I feel like it's it's generating that kind of content, but it's... it's I have an image
0: of that, yeah, prepped the, up. so great. if you look at my image, it's got the... it actually has the BX books underneath it, and then there's a map on top, which is which was produced actually. And this is our patron, Stephen Wendell, actually. Mm-hmm. He has a really fantastic blog um, uh, at uh, dungeonlands.com. That's D-O-N... J-O-N lands.com and so early part of this year he's actually rolling out a campaign a mega dungeon campaign that he initially made with um, how to host a dungeon and you see yeah. that in, in book form there on the bottom right and so
1: that map there on top is the kind of thing you get from how to host a dungeon This It, it follows an algorithm that's similar to if anyone remembers really old programming exercises like the life system that would just generate sort of um, just sort of evolution, right? So that's that's how this works, is you start with, like, a couple caves, and then evolutionarily you step through um, uh, years and eons. It kind of breaks it down into specific, like, major sections of time, the primordial age, the age of civilization, etc. cetera. And each step it adds, okay, now all, all this stuff happens, and then you advance year by year, and you say, okay, well, the, the, the goblins down in this cave have bred and produced a bunch more, and they need more space, so they're expanding out here, and they dig a new cave, and etc." cetera. Um, and there's some, some dice rolling and some token moving and, and whatnot. But it, it generates some pretty cool stuff. My one suggestion for using this is it says right at the beginning it is a solo game. I highly recommend not playing it as a solo game, but rather play it with one other person, uh, or at least one other person. The nice thing about that is, one, you can kind of split the roles. One person mans the tables, the other person has the map and is doing the drawing. And the other thing is, it, it, just something about having another brain there, I think, really helps. Because when one person gets stuck, the other person often can then jump in and, and throw a monkey wrench into the system. Or an interpretation of what happened and say, oh, well, maybe it's because, you know, maybe these dwarves uh, uh, have a specific uh, burial rite. And that's why they dug this cave and and just... Boom! Suddenly, you know, there's a whole lot of more cool stuff happening. Oh, no, I, I agree. You know, I've yeah. I found as a general rule,
0: like, like for creative writing, two people tend to work kind of magically. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've had my best experiences with creative writing with with, with two people that work really well together. Um, and I think that's that's basically the same thing that you're talking about. There is it yeah. between between the two of you. It, it's snappy. It's not like writing by committee. Um, and you wind up producing something that neither one of you would have done on your own. And it's like there's sort of a magical, extra creative person in the world all of a sudden. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Yeah, so this is a this is really nice, nice tool. Uh, again, it, it, at the end of this, you have a big side view map and a whole lot of ideas for the different factions and what lives under there and where the castle is and et cetera, et cetera, how you get in. But then you would then have to go and map Level. If you were going to actually use it for DD, you would then have to go and map into levels and and fill them, etc. You'd have to do that right. extra step. Right.
0: right. I see a suggestion in the chat to use Inspiration Pad Pro. Have you used that in the past? Paul?
1: I I use it all the time. Actually, that's a, it's a great it's a great app. Um, it's it's really nice. Ultimately, for just um, you know anything that you would have on a table, if you just want it as a as a quick click of a button. Uh, the interesting thing is, I have it as a as the mobile app on my phone. Um, so oftentimes, I'll make, especially when it's when it's very deep tables where there's a lot of like subtables and filling in of blanks. Uh, really nice for that. You can translate all that into your your Inspiration Pad Pro table. Uh, I even went went so far as to make an entire NPC generator f- uh, out of tables for it, and it just click a button. Here's a whole bunch of potential hirings hirelings for your OD&D game. Um, but I use that a lot. I use that for names, for treasures, you know. Anything that you, I would have used a a book and some dice for in the past, I think is uh, uh, useful. Yeah, yeah, it's a good tool. Super nice, super nice. I think if you are a reader of my blog, there's probably some some tables that I've generated that are up there, uh, including Dan. You're in my favorite fantasy name generator, which I think is made by a guy named Chris Pound. If I'm remembering correctly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think right. we accidentally discovered one day that we were both using the same set of tables because we both loved it so much. Uh, I was actually in contact with him and um, got permission to redistribute those tables as an Inspiration Pad Pro uh, files. So I think you can find those right. on my blog. I remember that. I remember that.
0: So it seems like we're sliding into talking about software. Yeah, yeah. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, I guess before, before we totally dive into that, like I'll, I'll say one book that I've used quite a bit in the past is an old product from Judges Guild called The Castles Book. And mm-hmm. they actually made two volumes of that. And uh, again, a major part of original D&D wilderness play was to have a whole bunch of kind of random castles in the wilderness that you were going to run into and probably have problems with. And so what Judges Guild did is they made two volumes, and between them they have a bunch of pre-made castle maps, like about a hundred of them, and then a whole bunch of tables for stocking it. Like about nine pages of tables for stocking it with different wall types and tower types and defenses and troops and places and special monsters and traps and all kinds of stuff like that. So um, I have actually used the the Judges Guild book for, uh, for <laughs> that for quite some time. Nice. Which I like, but, software. Yeah. So I actually probably nowadays for my stuff, I tend to use more software than physical books when I'm doing kind of randomy content generation. You were just talking about names and we loved that fantasy name generator. At the moment, I'm actually I'm using something different is mm-hmm. there's a dedicated site just to that. It's called fantasy dot com. And it has at this, it's, it's written by someone who identifies themselves as, as Emily. And at the, at, at the time that we're taping this, there's about a thousand different themed tables for different cultures, different fantasy races, different magical weapons, towns and cities and countries and wizard schools and on and on and on and on and on. And, on. and so whoever is making, so Emily, there you go. So every single item there takes you to a different themed table. Right? And you can see in the in the in the bottom half there, there's fantasy names for aliens and Amazons. And he Paul just clicked on the Hobbit name generator. There's two buttons at the bottom. You can get all male Hobbit names or all female Hobbit names, or or a mix of both if you want. Um, and the, the Emily making fantasy name generators is is, is clearly I feel a very close kinship because she's (laughs) clearly totally OCD about this one particular thing of making all kinds of theme name generators, and that's currently my go-to for for names. There you go. That is a wonderful site. I love it. If that that ever goes away, I'm going to be heartbroken, and sometimes I think about how can we archive fantasy name generators because I'm going to be totally Mm -hmm. wrecked if that ever goes away.
1: I have to say, the, the 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 reason I love using Inspiration Pad Pro for this stuff so much, again, is just to get it on my phone so that I don't have to have an entire computer at my table during play, right? If I'm at play, if I'm playing a game, I really don't want a whole computer there, but having my phone out is reasonable, especially for something very specific like quick table generation. I don't want to be futzing around with a whole lot of you know, the moment I get into the point of like, oh, i got to change drop downs and change these selections. And if it's more than one button tap, then I'm losing game time and I don't want to do that during, during play. Right now, there's a difference, I guess, between like, are you going to use these tools during play or are you going to use them uh, to prepare for play? That's a really good point. Yeah.
0: I might be a bit of a grognard on
1: that. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, I still don't use technical devices. Uh, I, I don't use any technolo- digital technology when I'm running a game. So I have a couple of small tables on my DM screen for random names and mm-hmm. characteristics and of MZs and stuff like that. but I might be uh, <clears throat> I, I might I might be behind the times on that honestly. I don't use any any digital yeah. tech there.
1: Yeah, i certainly toyed with you know more elaborate you know like have a laptop or. A netbook back when those were popular behind the screen, and that was always just more complicated, I think. Something small that fits on a phone that is a one-click, I think, is uh, the sweet spot for me for technology. Anyway, uh, getting on there. Uh, Dan, other software you want to talk about? Okay, so like I said, I,
0: I shy away from using you know Dyson Logos' excellent, excellent maps because I fear someone's going to recognize it, I guess. And so for me, if I need a, a quick map, I tend to go to a site called Gazi's, so it's gozzys.com, G-O-Z-Z-Y-S.com. And so uh, this has been around for a while and it's, it's online and it's free obviously. And you can see on the screen here, he's got a random dungeon map creator, random cave map creator. And so it's, the, it's that top one that I tend to use. Bunch of different um, uh, toolings or settings here. You can make a larger map or a smaller map or more dense or less dense, different image and color styles. And maybe if you just hit on the start now button, you'll see the kind of thing that gets spit out on Gazis there. Um, Oh, okay, sorry. They changed. Apparently, it changed the interface a little bit.
1: You got fooled there. I think you want one of these Create map buttons. Yeah, yeah. You got fooled by the ad. Right. Sorry. Jeez. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, the ad is new. That wasn't there last time I visited. So uh, there's there's this style of map, and then I think there's also the wandering, uh, the wandering line style, random room. I actually think I, I think I like the second one better actually.
1: The random. Yeah, I
0: tend to like yeah. the second one a little bit better. Okay. So I tend to use this when I want a small random uh, map, and obviously it doesn't have as much detail as uh, a, a Dyson map. But it, uh, it works for me when I need something small and fairly simple. Nice. And again, this is, once, you, once you make it, it is, it is free for you to use commercially, I believe, as long as you keep a label on it.
1: I'm sorry. I have um, to pick on that northernmost room that it has created in the center of this map. How on earth do you describe <laughs> that map, that room to players when they come in? that's awful okay okay. (laughs) look at that shape
0: uh okay there's a there's a rectangular there's okay you enter a rectangular shape it's approximately 30 by 40 and there's an opening into a triangular southern part Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. okay you you, You don't like
0: it okay yeah
1: yeah. well i mean it's not completely precise because there's this weird angled wall to the south just as you enter right and yep okay anyway uh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. That's okay, fine. That's fine. Okay. It's a pencil sharpener. Enter <laughs> a room shaped like a pencil Great. sharpener. <laughs> Great.
0: <laughs> okay, now here's so here's the thing that I I, I hope will impress you more. Yeah. So there's a person named uh, who goes by Watabu who makes generators for above ground stuff mostly. I think, I think very recently he just added a one-page dungeon generator, but the thing that I first discovered a couple of years back was Watubu's city generators. Mm. And so when you need a random city, he's got an online-free procedural generator for cities. And uh, we're looking at one right now. This one happens to be by the seacoast. It's got ports. It's got a castle. Uh, this one doesn't have a wall around it. got a whole bunch of... Um, um, I assume if I just hit refresh
1: there. here, it's going to give me something totally different. Let's let's give it a whirl. Correct.
0: Or I, you right-click and you can get a menu, too. There. So now this one's surrounded by a wall.
1: Yep. Yep. But no water. It right? doesn't yep. have a code. Yep. Exactly.
0: Right. Yep. Uh, it shows different quadrants. Right. It has a little sector uh, a text there. All of that is adjustable by settings. You can remove the uh, the sector labels. You can add more. Um, you can you can ask for the the city to be larger or smaller. You can demand a coastline or a river, and so I have been um, really really um, impressed by that. You just hit new city there to get a new warp? one. Does it, oh, well that's yeah. No and of course right you can right adjust
1: here. it by hand. Wow, that's crazy.
0: Okay, Here's what Paul's doing right now. I've never done that. So where
1: where do I get to the style? right? Uh, style? Yep. Nope. I was trying to figure out like how do I tell it I definitely do want a wall or don't want a wall then.
0: Uh, I think there's a sub menu under style, I believe. Oh, is Maybe. there? Okay. Um, oops. There we go.
1: Buildings, right. Elements? So. Under elements? elements? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, mm, mm. Hmm. Okay, anyway, there's a lot of options. You and I aren't going to figure it out here live right. on are Correct. I, uh, right. I haven't used it no in a couple weeks. No <laughs> time for that.
0: And now, the other thing so that's not the only thing that Watabu has there. And um, uh, the site there is uh, Watabu, W A T A B O U dot itch dot I O. And he's got this city generator that he's been working on for years. Um, and the thing that he added in the last year is he has a small village generator which is in the middle uh, of the screen right at the moment. And this is a tool that I've been looking for for years. Like I was asking on many forum sites, because I feel like there's going to be way more villages in your world than cities. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I have have a feeling like as you're randomly wandering around the wilderness, you don't know where you're going. I feel like you're going to run into a whole lot of villages. And I wanted some way to procedurally generate that. And I think it was just in the last year that Watabu added this village generator. And you can just sit here and mash up as many random villages as you need. And they're smaller or larger, rivers or not. Here's one yeah. that's very small.
1: Yeah, right? population 85. All again,
0: all the, the color is adjustable. It can be in color. It can be with you know, old school map icons. Uh, you can add change the names, add the names, all kinds of different adjustments there. And then um, we're looking at kind of the settings here for that. Right, higher density yep, yep, lower density yep, yep. want water different types you can hear you're going to get a river all kinds of neat Very stuff. nice nice stuff and then if yep. that's not enough for you you know you can see these export export is json yep yep uh, uh files and then he's got another tool that will take the exports from these tools and show you your villages and cities in 3d 3d you can, you can either yeah <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Go back to that main menu. Yeah. If you go back to his, his top, menu, top, go back
1: top, to top menu, it's not here.
0: You okay. got to go back to the top menu. It's a separate tool, is what it is. Okay. Yep. Yep. And you see uh, a city viewer on the okay. on the right, right there. Okay. Yeah. See that? So you can take one of those things, loaded wow. in here, that's, so I get a three D view, either sky view, like eagle's eye view. You could walk through the uh, walk through the uh, the streets if you want to, and obviously there's not a whole heck of a lot of detail there. If you go to the street view, there's, there's no doors or windows or people or anything like that. But I feel like it might be kind of interesting to take like an eagle-eye view and show your players that as a general layout to your city or village. huh? That's that pretty neat something. for a free yeah. online tool, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Very nice. So I feel like he does great, great work. And that has absolutely solved this this problem that I've had for a long time of how do I make a bunch of villages when I want to. Very
1: nice. Very nice. Yeah. Like it a lot. Yeah.
0: And you see, that's one of those things whereby, you know, technically in the above ground world, there ought to be a lot of that stuff. But yeah. as a DM, I don't want to, it's not an adventuring site technically. So I don't right. want to spend a year of my time making all the villages. So something like this is like, here's some stuff.
1: There's probably there's, in yeah, here. I think there's there's some That's real value there to being able to visualize the place for the DM, to, so that then they can describe it. I remember once a, a long while back, I was running a post apocalyptic zombie game that was set in Boston, and um, my my resource for doing it is basically I had uh, behind the screen. I, I had, in this case I did have a laptop open because I had opened a Google Maps. And I was just using Google Maps to scroll through Boston and then imagining what it might look like post-apocalyptic. Right, but I'm in Street View, right? I'm in Street View and kind of just scrolling around and like describing to them what they see, but filtering <laughs> it with a like, what would it be like in a zombie post-apocalyptic setting? And it was great. It worked really well because um, I was just describing what I saw with that with that added little
0: that's, <laughs> adjustment. That's that's super nice. That that's top level DMing,
1: Paul. That was that's that was great. fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I'm, I'm also laughing here at Joshua in the chat saying, wait, I've been to Goat Dagger <laughs>
1: names that up <laughs> Excellent, excellent uh, What else do you want to talk about, Dan? Because, uh, wow, we're, we're, we're trying to cram as much into the hour as we can here We, and, we uh, are, running, running low. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, those are my top three I'll say that uh, in the last week our patrons have pointed to um, uh, Kevin Crawford's books uh, Stars, without, sectors, Stars Without Numbers mm-hmm. is, is the, book, the first book, and then Worlds Without Number is the, uh, the second fantasy book. I guess the first one's sci-fi, and the second one's, well, science fantasy, as, we, as we've been talking about a lot lately. Yeah. And then uh, some other people have made uh, free generators for those tools online, and they pointed us to sectorswithoutnumber.com for your random star systems, and nice. I fell into that for a couple hours the other day pretty interesting um and then at chartopia there is a worlds without number generator i guess maybe you can either google that or i'll put it into the description on the youtube archive yeah yeah, yeah certainly
1: certainly we should uh let's update the description of the youtube uh video here with, with all links to all this stuff because there's a lot of great stuff here um i want to mention before we run out of time uh, a, a resource that's a little little lesser known and 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 uh Uh, really, one that I love, which is actually a Warhammer fantasy book called Renegade Crowns. Um, Now, unfortunately, all I can show is an image here, because I went to go get my physical copy and have it in front of me, so I could talk about it, and I can't find it, which means I've probably loaned it to someone, because this is, like, the book of all my Warhammer books. This is the one that I pass around to people. Um, Because, frankly, when you open this up, like, most of the second edition Warhammer fantasy books, usually they were kind of setting-ish and they had just a lot of text describing uh, places. Maybe there were maps or monsters or whatnot. This book is unlike any other second edition Warhammer fantasy book in that it is all about random generation. So uh, it takes this assumption that there's this place in the Warhammer world called the, the Border Princes, which is just a whole bunch of little kingdoms that are constantly squabbling over territory and that are a little removed from the bigger, you know, world at large. And so this talks about how to generate your own border princes, because they're so variable, so changeable, like, you might as well just randomly generate them. And it actually starts with, um, so what it does, what it generates for you is kind of your outdoor wilderness setting, like, it's gonna give you a big map with, uh, you know here are these kingdoms and not only kingdoms but like here are the personalities who live there and how what their relationships are with their uh, neighbors and then also sprinkled about here are these these dungeons right maybe there's this monster camp here maybe there's an old crypt there uh, all this stuff gets randomly generated but even the map gets randomly generated it actually has you start with just plain blank graph paper and you just roll and start filling in okay there's a forest here. It's this big. Fill in this many boxes with forest. Okay, now there's a now there's a desert. Do that. And so you can literally start with just blank graph paper and some colored pencils and end this thing with this massive, uh, you know, very, very populated map. You will get some more Hammer-ish stuff, right? There will be stuff, like it makes some assumptions about how the Greenskins coordinate and it talks, and maybe you're going to end up with a Skaven population somewhere, Um But I think Warhammer is so close to bog standard fantasy that it wouldn't be difficult to shift this slightly uh, and and use it for any any fantasy setting you want.
0: I agree. So at one point when I was at your place, I I stayed up way way late at night because this was in the room that I was staying at, and I read this. I read. I I quickly sped read this whole book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Up until about three a.m. one night at your place. And for me, you know, it's interesting, it's, it's a really kind of good idea for a campaign world to have this kind of, you know, broken up border princess type place that you can fill in later on. And the, the thing that jumped into my mind was if you're playing in the world of Greyhawk, you could easily use this to fill out uh, what's called the Wild Coast mm. or the Bandit Kingdoms, which yeah. are kind of similar themed broken up constantly in, you know, volatile chaos type situation. And that's probably would be my first go to where I would awesome. use it for, for my play. Yeah.
1: yeah, I did run an entire Warhammer Fantasy Second Edition uh, campaign using just that book, and generated a map. And then, and then actually, as I recall, I think I then got Carrick Asgol, which describes an ancient dwarven underground, you know, dungeon. Basically, it's your basic dungeon crawl uh, in the Warhammer Fantasy setting. And I just plopped it in there, and I was like, "That is here on my map." <laughs> and, and really
0: well. uh our our good friend max uh for what ran about for two years a dcc campaign mm-hmm. and that campaign was made with those same rules and he <laughs> dropped in the stone
1: Hell dungeon right in the middle of that there you go there you go yeah yeah
0: cool great way to go Paul. um
1: we are running close to the wire dan what have we not talked about that you want to make sure we bring up
0: I had a whole lot of other stuff, so I guess I'm not going to start rattling it off machine gun fire because that won't help anybody. (laughs) I guess I will mention, you know, is uh, don't forget that um, you've got a character generator on your blog, right, for our OED house rules. Uh, So if you search on Paul's game blog for the OED character generator, you've got a, a pretty nifty character generator there. Yeah, then you can just find it right under use. the
1: Tools menu. At the OED Character Generator right. gives you right. some basics. Uh, this is this is the ultimate evolution of that same one that I originally did in in Inspiration Pad Pro. Yeah, and yeah. you just give it some options, and it'll generate a quick stat block, or you can download the full character sheet, which gives you the full the full PDF printable PDF.
0: And of course, when we say OED, we're talking about Original Edition Delta House Rules, which is something that I in coordinate in part coordination with Paul have written over a number of years and used for for our games in large part. Um, I also have a suite of tools on my um, site. They're not GUI based, they're command line based. You have to have Java, it's not on the web. Um, uh, but if you go to oedgames.com and you click on to add-ons, house rules and software, I have a tool set called Athena. And if you are familiar with it, if you have Java and you're familiar with the command line, they don't do GUI work anymore, uh, I have, right, it's the very the bottom thing. Foot, the very bottom. There you, you go. Look the very so, bottom two two thing there. Yep. Great. There you go. So uh, there's one single downloadable Java tool there, and it combines a uh, character generator. It combines a demographic simulator. Uh, there's monster metrics to measure, again, through simulations, measure the power of new monsters and set them at a right experience level. And then I also have a tool called the Marshall that spits out large groups of bandits or brigands or pirates or things like that and all of the leaders behind the scenes are actually simulated for their entire career of adventuring so all the leaders that it spits out actually start at first level and i simulated in the computer their adventuring career some of whom died uh but some of whom got to a high enough level to actually be the leader of bandits so that was my that's my athena tool there which isn't for everybody but um some of us some of us use that
1: let me make a quick, uh, quick shout out here to our moderator Bucky, who is doing yeoman's work, dropping links into the chat of all the stuff that we're talking about. So thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> it's really quite impressive. It's really, it's, it's super impressive. Thank you yeah. so much for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I guess I'll say, you know, one other theme I'll just point out. So, so our viewer John Miller posted a couple of minutes back. He said, "There's a fine line between, you know, taking the drudgery out of design work." With a random generator, and also taking all the fun out of it at the same time. Mm. So we are kind of looking for, and I totally agree with that. What a great way of putting that! And so we're kind of looking for this balance between we've got some creative ideas that we want to get on the page, and then there's this whole, you know, there's there's extra space on the map or extra things that we get tapped out on, honestly. And so having generators that are are you know helping us come up with new ideas maybe filling in the side spaces that we're not so interested in today and maybe we come up with better ideas on a different day or something like that is is totally what we're looking for and i never want to be handcuffed by this stuff if when the tables are making it visible what the options are and giving you a couple different options i feel like that's really the best place to
1: be yeah yeah, I think um, you know for viewers who are who still feel like that's that's kind of nebulous advice, uh, I definitely recommend uh, come back to the channel when we announce that Dan and I will be doing this live. You can see us actually demonstrate what we're talking about here um, because I think we do really we walk that line a lot of of when do we roll and when do we just go and when do we you know just invent um, and uh, yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun and um, hopefully if it's well received, we'll uh, we'll do more of them down the road, but. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to that. There will be
1: no safety net on that because,
0: of course, we do our shows live. So if 30 minutes into it, Paul and I <laughs> break down a
1: horrible argument, yeah. that's the show. <laughs> 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 Pretty yeah. unlikely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the practice we're on went well, so I think... Uh... Yeah. I think we should be all right. I think we should be all right. <laughs> I um, agree. I'm for folks, if you have uh, other tools that you use that you absolutely love for random generation, uh, please drop us a link in the comment section of this video. We'd love to see it. Maybe there's some we're not aware of um, that we would like to use. Uh, so please um, uh, let us know in the comments and uh, we, uh, we will appreciate that.
0: And generally, thanks to our patrons for coming up with a whole bunch of stuff in the last week and giving yeah. us the idea for this show. What a, what a, what a great vein to dig into that we were, we were not thinking about before last week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Remember, if you're new to the show, that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us, the Wandering DMs, on a bunch of sites like YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook <clears throat> and GitHub. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all of those sites, so please look for us
1: there. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can get it at our website at wanderingdms.com. Likewise, you can find us through various podcast carriers, such as Google Podcasts and iTunes and Spotify. If you are listening to us from one of those third-party carriers, please take a moment to rate and review our show on that site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it.
0: We very much do. Uh, as usual, thanks to all of our patrons who support the show and, in particular, gave us content for today, which is great. If you're in a position to join them, we do hope that you'll go to patreon.com slash DMs And a couple different tiers there. We have discounts on merch, access to the private Discord server where conversations like the one today actually started, monthly behind-the-scenes videos, polls and surveys, and also after-party chat that we have every Sunday like the one we'll have right after this show today uh upcoming shows i think you're back with uh 10 dead rats actually doing uh fantasy uh fantasy uh, warhammer play this thursday no
1: no uh so we we missed this last thursday Uh, we had to we had to cancel so we're still uh hoping this thursday this coming thursday to do our uh finale of our two-part special being uh gm's by christian of go go golf right i've been waiting for that cliffhanger to get resolved (laughs) good point Um, And
0: uh, we did have a couple of scheduling glitches this last week. So look for that on Thursday. Uh, Our war game show with Isabel is not going to be held on Saturday. Uh, We're going to see what we actually get a little up on the air and even what we're going to do next Sunday, as a matter of fact. Mm. But we'll be looking forward to that. Um, So we are scheduled to be on live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we do hope that you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion.
1: We'll see you then.